0: Welcome back to the G.E.T. podcast. Today we will be comparing Bartleby the Scrivener and Young Goodman Brown. The reason we chose to do this is because we want you to understand the dark times in poetry from the past.
1: So today I'm going to be talking about young Goodman Brown. Um, This is going to be the first story out of two. So here we go. Young Goodman Brown came forth at sunset into the street of Salem village, but put his head back after crossing the threshold to exchange a parting kiss with his young wife and faith as the wife was amply named, thrust her own pretty head into the street, letting the wind with the pink ribbons of her cap while she called to Goodman Brown. (laughs) <laughs> Dearest heart, whispered she softly and rather sadly, with her lips, when her lips were close to his ear, pray thee put off your journey until sunrise, and sleep in your own bed tonight. A lone woman is troubled with such dreams and such thoughts that she's afeard of herself sometimes. Pray tarry with me this night, dear husband, of all nights in the year. My love and my faith, replied young Goodman Brown, of all nights in the year, this one this one night must I tarry away from thee. My journey, as thou callest it, forth and back again, must need to, to be done, twits now and sunrise. Now my sweet pretty wife, doubt, doused out, doubt me already, and we be three months married. Then God bless you, said Faith, with the pink ribbons, and may you find all well when you come back. Amen, cried Goodman Brown, said the prayers, dear Faith, and go to bed at dusk, and no harm will come thee. So they parted, and the young Goodman pursued his way until being about to turn the corner by the meeting house. He looked back and saw the head of Faith still peeping after him with air in spite of her pink ribbons. Poor little Faith, thought he, for the heart smote him. What a wrench I am to leave her on such an errand. She talks of dreams, too. "'Me thought, so she spoke with, "'there was trouble in her faith, "'as if a dream has warned her "'that what work is to be done tonight. "'But no, no, twould kill her to think. "'Well, she's blessed angel on earth, "'and after this one night, "'I'll cling to her skirts and follow her to heaven.' "'With this excellent resolve for the future, "'Goodman Brown felt himself justified "'in making more haste on his present evil purpose.' He has taken a dreary road darkened by the gloomiest trees of the forest, which barely stood aside to let the narrow path creep through and close immediately behind. It was although lonely as could be, and there is particularly in such a solitude that the traveler knows not who may be concealed by the trunks and the thick broths overhead, so that with lonely footsteps he may yet be passing through an unsettled multitude there will be a devilish Indian behind every tree, said Goodman ground to himself. And he glanced fearfully behind him as he added, What if the devil himself should be at my very elbow? So in the beginning, he—what what is the significance to his wife named Faith Gavin?
0: Well, um, let's think about that. Uh, actually, later in the story, you'll realize that um, his, his wife uh, is actually his whole faith. If he loses his wife, he loses his faith in God. And it becomes evident in later in the story as you read on.
1: Erica, what do you think the purpose of the pink ribbons on her head would be? The pink ribbon on Faith is basically talking about how she's not pure. Because um, we all know that when a woman wears white on their wedding, it's because they're pure. They're all sane and everything. But since she's not all pure, the pink woman has a significant of how, how I can say like pure, I guess, to what she is with her face. Impure. Yes. Next page. His head began turned back. He passed a crook of the road and looking forward again, beheld the figure of a man in a grave and decent attire seated on the floor of an old tree. He arose at Goodman Brown's approach and walked onward side by side with him. You are late, Goodman Brown, he said. The clock of the South, Old South was striking as I came through Boston and that is full 15 minutes agone." Faith kept me behind a while, replied young, young man, with a tumor in his voice caused by the sudden appearance of his companion, though not woolly unexpected. It was now deep dust in the forest and deepest in the part of it where these two were journeying. As nearly as he could be dis- concerned, the second traveler was about 50 years old, apparently in the same rank of life as Goodman Brown. And bearing an a considerable resemblance to him, though perhaps more in his expressions than features. Still, they might have been taken for son and father. And yet, though the elder person was as simply clad as a teenager and as simple in manner too, he had an indesirable air of one who knew the world and would not have felt abashed at the governor's table or in a kingdom's court. When it was possible in his affairs should call him Theater. The what? Theater. <laughs> Theater? Theater. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Thither. Oh, thither. <laughs> My bad. But the only thing about him that could be fixed upon an unremarkable was his staff, which bore the likeliness of a great black snake. So, curiously, what wrote that it might almost be seen to twist and wiggle itself with a living... Serpent. This, of course, must have been an o- ocular assisted by the uncertain light. Come, Goodman Brown, cried the fellow traveler. This is a dull pace for the beginning of the journey. Hey, Trinity. <laughs> no, don't
0: call That's me. That's deception. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ocular deception. I skipped the word because I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> Come, Goodman Brown, said his fellow traveler. This is a dull pace for the beginning of the journey. Take my staff if you are truly weary. friend," said the other, exchanging his slow pace for a full stop. Having kept con... convent? Convent? Convent. by meeting thee here, it is purpose now to return whence I came. I have scriptures touching th- the matter thou worst of. Say it's Thou so? replied of the serpent, smiling apart. Let us walk nevertheless, reasoning as we go. And if I convince thee not, thou shalt turn back, but are but a little way in the forest yet. Too far, too far, exclaimed the goodman, unconsciously resuming his walk. My father never went into the woods on such an errand, nor his father before. We have been a race of honest men and good Christians since the day of the martyrs, And shall I be the first of the name of Brown that ever took the path and kept such company thou wouldn't say? Observe the elder person interrupting. What? All
0: right, guys. So our thing is being very, very stupid. It just stops recording whenever it really wants to. So we're going to pick up right where we left off. If Trinity can find it.
1: Which was where? (laughs) Where was it? (laughs) I
0: don't know. Technical difficulties.
1: Right here. Well said, Goodman Brown, I have been as well acquainted with your family as ever a one among the Puritans. And with no trifle to say, I helped your grandfather, the constable, with his lashed the Quaker woman, so smartly through the streets of Salem. And it was I that brought your father a pitch pine knot kindly at my own hearth. To set fire to an Indian king, village in King Philip's War, they were my good friends both, and many a, a please, pleasant walk have we had along this path. And turned merely after midnight. I would fain to be friends with you for their sake.
0: Did you mean pleasant?
1: Yeah, I don't know why I said I said pleasant. <laughs> Sorry. You heard it here first, guys. Trinity cannot read. Sorry, it's just so many weird words. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how to talk Shakespearely. It's not Shakespearean. Well, far out thou. Okay, that's that. Shakespearean. Yeah, see, but like.
0: pleasantry okay, is not.
1: Okay, I know that. But, like, I don't know. How, yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. Anyways. So, <laughs> back to the subject. Why do you think the staff was so significant? And what did it symbolize? And why? And, like.
0: He's the devil. Explain. (laughs) All right. If you look back into like uh, the first biblical text of the first time you see Satan or Lucifer or whatever you want to call him, um, he appears as a serpent from the tree that tempts Eve into eating from the tree of knowledge. Now... It, that's important because his staff looks like a snake and the guy was described as a serpent.
1: Um, I think y- you got it. Twitch, Gavin, he, his staff represented a serpent or as the guy was a snake. And I feel like they use serpent to just, um, the war choice was very strong from serpent to snake. And I think that's very, um, informational to know. Yeah.
0: Snake, serpent, same thing. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Go with Trinity.
1: Next, Erica. Um, I believe that this is like a temptation that's walked between in the path of Goodman while he's in his journey of finding something. And um, like his faith is obviously if we look back and all but like, we reflect on the whole page or the whole story we know that goodman was tempted throughout the whole story so i feel like this is the first temptation that he encountered when a man offers him a staff and which will bring him like walks and fat walk make him walk faster and so of course goodman like refused but later on in the story like we reflect on how he says no to temptation yeah i think that was a very deep description thank you erica
0: Yes, Erica.
1: So, we are going to skip the middle pages and go to the very end.
0: Just for time purposes.
1: Ye- yes.
0: Because we do have one more story to get to you for you guys. Yeah. And hopefully our recording won't stop.
1: Right <laughs> Literally. Okay, so we are going to start off to where he just got home. Yay, home. The next morning, young Goodman Brown came slowly into the street of Salem Village, staring around him like a bewildered man. The good old minister was taking a walk along the graveyard to be, to get an appetite for breakfast, and meditate his sermon, and bestowed a blessing as he passed on Goodman Brown. He shrank from his venerable saint as if to avoid an anathema. Old De, Deacon Gookin. Was a domestic worship, and the holy words of his prayer were heard through the open window. What God doth the wizard pray to? Quote Goodman Brown. Goody Clois Klo- Klaus. I think that's Clois. Goody Klaus, that excellent, excellent old Christian, stood in the early sunshine at her own lattice. Catching a little girl who had brought her a pint of morning milk, Goodman snatched away the child as from the grasp of the fiend himself. Turning the corner by the meeting house, he spied the head of Faith, with the pink ribbons gazing anxiously forth and bursting into such joy at the sight of him that she skipped along the street and almost kissed her husband before the the whole village. But Goodman... Brown looked sternly and sadly into her face and passed on without a greeting. Had Goodman Brown fallen asleep in the forest and only dreamed a wild dream of a witch catch, a witch meeting?
0: I don't know. Sounds like me it was on LSD.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> Be it so, if you will, but at last it was a dream of evil omen for good, young Goodman Brown. A stern, a, sad, a darking, a darkly... Meditative, a distrustful, if not a desperate man, did he become from the night of the fearful dream. On the Sabbath day, when the congregation were singing a holy psalm, he could not listen. Because an anthem of rich rushed loudly upon his ear and drowned at the blessing strain. What the minister spoke from the pulpit with power and feared... What's
0: that word? Uh... Eloquence? Eloquence?
1: Eloquence? <laughs> it's
0: eloquence, bud.
1: Feared eloquence, and with his hand on the open Bible of the sacred truths of our religion and of safe like saint like lies and triumphant deaths and our future bliss of merely unutterable than did. Goodman Brown turned pale, dreading lease the roof, should thunder down upon the grape <laughs> Blasphemer? <laughs> blasphemer. How? Huh? Blasphemer?
0: Blas- bla- blasphemer. It derives from the word of blasphemy. It basically just means that you're saying you're a god. Or and
1: his hearers, often awakening suddenly at midnight, he shrank from the bosom of faith. And at the morning of even evening tide, when the family knelt down at prayer, he scowled and muttered to himself and gazed sternly in at his wife and turned away. And when he had lived long and was born to his grave, a, a horro corpse, followed by faith, an aged woman and children and grandchildren, A goodly possession besides neighbors, not a few, they carved no hopeful verses upon his tombstone for his dying hour was gloom. Okay, that took a long time. Sorry, guys. I don't know words. But anyways, um... During the... um, Fill the
0: silence. Fill the silence.
1: Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um... So what do you think happened at the end? Like, why do you, why do you think he's like this? Why?
0: Well, because when he went on his trip, he was seeing all these people from his village that he knew. And most of these people were like very godly people, very strong in their faith. And they they taught him his faith. Like they taught him the basics of their faith. And so when he saw them at like, say the witch meeting, when they went, uh, and he came back, he just feels skeptical now. He feels like he's not following the right faith because these people aren't the same. But he can't really fully tell if he's been, you know, just brainwashed because it was a dream or something like that. He just he doesn't know, and he just wants to be on the cautious side.
1: What's your view? I think he just lost faith completely because of what he um, saw, because we can see how in... When he didn't reap faith, and we, if we reflect in the beginning of the story, he was really madly in love with faith. And as we said in the beginning, that faith was her, was symbolized his own faith. And now that he doesn't have faith, then he doesn't, then what can he believe in? So he's not
0: as infatuated with her. Yeah, exactly.
1: So. Okay, that was the end of Young Goodman Brown. Next, Bartleby the Scrivener. So now we're going to read Bartleby the Scrivener and we skipped the first two pages and we're on the third page and we're going to read the third and fourth page and then go to the end. At first, Bartleby did an extraordinary quantity of work as if long famishing for something to copy. He seemed to gorge himself on my documents. There was no pause for digestion. He ran a day and night line copying by sunlight and by candlelight. I should have been quite delighted with his application had he been cheerfully industrious, but he wrote on silently, palely, mechanically. It is, of course, an indisceptible part of the Scrivener's business to verify the accuracy of his copy word by word. Where there are two or more Scriveners in an office, they assist each other in the examination of one reading from the copy and the other reading the original. It is a dull, worrisome, and le- jar- lethar-
0: lethargic.
1: Yep, that's it. Lethargic? Lethargic. 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 A or fair-
0: lethargic. 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 Move on.
1: No. Anyways, I can readily imagine that to some sanguine temperatures, it would be altogether intolerable. For, for example, I cannot credit for the... Middlesome poem poet Brian would have contentedly sat down with Bertleby to examine a law document of say five hundred pages closely written in a crimpy hand. Now and then in the haste of business it had been my habit to assist in comparing some brief documents myself, calling turkey or nippers for the purpose one object I had. In place and placing bartleby so hand so hand to me the screen was to avail myself of his services of such trivial occasions it was on the third day i think of of his being with me and before any nece- necessity has arisen from having his own writing examined that being much hurry to compete complete A small affair I had in hand, I abruptly called to Bartleby in my haste and natural expectancy of instant compliance. I sat with my head bent over the original desk and my right hand sideways from what nervously extended with the copy, so that immediately upon emerging from his retreat, Bartleby might snatch it and proceed to business without the least delay. It is in this very attitude did I so... When I called him rapidly, stating what is what it was I wanted him to do, namely to examine a small paper with me. Imagine my surprise, nay, my consternation when, without moving from his privacy, barterly in a singular, singular, (laughs) singular. Yeah.
0: Singular. Erica, maybe you should read.
1: Shut up, Gavin. (laughs) My old firm voice said I would would (laughs) prefer not to. I sat a while in perfect silence, rallying my stunned faculties. Okay,
0: quick question about that. He's saying I would prefer not to, right?
1: Yeah.
0: What would happen if you guys said that at your work?
1: Fired. Probably. Get yelled at. Yeah, and then...
0: It baffles me that he can just say that and get away with it.
1: We're not there yet, Gavin.
0: I'm sorry. It popped into my head.
1: I sat a while in perfect silence, rattling my stunned faculties. Immediately, it occurred to me that my ears had deceived me, or Bartleby had entirely misunderstood my meaning. I repeated my request in the clearest tone I could assume, but in a quite as clear As one, come the previous reply, I would would prefer not. Prefer not to, echoed I, raising in high excitement, crossing the room with a stride. What do you mean? Are you moonstruck? I want you to help me compare these sheets here. Take it. And I thrust it towards him. I would prefer not to, he said. So, overall, he's basically, so in the beginning... He was such a hard worker, but why do you guys think he finally, like, is not working anymore? I don't know. I think it's just, there's so many, like... We just don't have enough textual evidence or, like, nor anything to provide a good um, thought about why he just does not want to work anymore. Like, throughout the whole entire text, you mean? Like there's Throughout like, the whole story, there's just nothing... To really t- tell we can we can make guesses but any guess that we say or anything it just leads us to a dead end because we have nothing to support our guess.
0: yeah i, I agree with that okay <clears throat> um one thing i will say is that going back to that if we did that at our work it would most likely get us fired I don't see how the guy just allows it to happen, like doesn't think twice about it, just kind of continues on.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, are you gonna ask more questions? Yeah.
0: So how, (laughs)
1: how do you think the lawyer is compared? Um, to Young Goodman Brown, like, how do you think they're, like, is it they're... Similar? Yeah. Like, how...
0: How how Young Goodman Brown and The Lawyer are similar? Yeah. I, uh... Like, with their
1: personality, or their...
0: Both of them try to be very professional and very strong in what they believe. Um, and then the end, they both kind of end up second-guessing themselves, I guess. Um, just kind of... I don't know it seems like they're both allowing something that shouldn't they shouldn't really allow just kind of rule them at this moment
1: um i feel like the lawyer and, and um young goodman brown is different completely different because um more about the textual evidence and the theme of what each story is but when it comes to just um, character or self-development um the lawyer is more confused in anything um he doesn't really stay firm to what he believes because he because he like like doesn't know how to treat um Bartleby. but in, and if we go refer to what in the other the previous in the story how he constantly asks his um employees what he should do with Bartleby. but a young goodman brown he's more about self um he makes his own decisions and he doesn't depend on anyone he has this he kind of just relies on what he thinks he's going to do
0: self-reliance
1: exactly and compared to Bartleby, not barbie but compared to the lawyer the lawyer now well, doesn't know what he wants to do and he constantly has to ask is this okay or just like second opinions and that's the difference between uh, the difference between the lawyer and um young goodman Brown. Yeah.
0: janity what do you think
1: um, you guys both have really good points, but I think I would have to side uh with Erica just because she gave so much um evidence to why.
0: Oh, we're picking sides now, huh? <laughs> yeah,
1: pretty, pretty
0: much. <laughs> okay, I'll just be in the corner here then.
1: So I'm going to read um, the fourth page, only halfway, just because the rest um, doesn't really, we don't really need. Okay. I would prefer not to, he said, and gently disappeared behind the screen. For a few moments, I was turned into a pillar of salt. Standing at the head of my seat, columns of clerks, recovering myself, I advanced towards the screen and demanded the region of such, such extraordinary conduct. Why do you refuse? I would prefer not to. With any other man, I should have flown outright into a dreadful passion, scorned all further words, and thrust his ign... What's
0: that
1: word? We don't know that word. For my presence. But there was something about Bartleby that not only strangely disarmed me, but in the wonderful manner touched and discer- dis... dis- concerted me. I began to reason with him. These are your own copies we are about to examine. It is your labor saving to you because one examination will answer for, for your four papers. It is common usage. Every copyist is bound to help examine his copy. Is it not so? Will you not speak? Answer. I prefer not to, he replied in a few flute-like tone. It seemed to me that while I have been addressing him, he carefully resolved every statement that I made, fully comprehended the meaning, could not gangs- gangsly the irresistible conclusions, but at the same time come paramount consideration prevailed with him to reply as he did. You are deciding then that you are not not to comply with my request, a request made according to common usage and common sense. He briefly gave me to understand that on the that point my judgment was sound yes his decision was irreversible so why do you think that the lawyer is treating bartleby different do you think bartleby notices that he's changing like he's treating him different or what why do you think that like do you think like you're saying that bartleby realizes how the lawyer's treating him yeah like he realizes that he can get away with anything with the lawyer or do you think that it's just he doesn't care anymore? I feel like if we if we refer back to the end of the story too, I don't think it's just how the how the lawyer treats him. I think it's just him himself because if we refer reflect to what the people did to him when he didn't want to leave the building, it was just like it was him Against the world, so it was like not man versus man, um, man versus self, but it was man versus the world, and so he was just having problems with everybody, and because it was just his self character that was causing all of this problems in the first place. Do you think Bartleby like realized that the lawyer was treating him different? Because he said, "With any other man, I should have flown outright in a dreadful pass passion, but there's something about Bartleby." that's not only strangely disarmed me, but in wonderful manner touched me and disconcerned me. I
0: don't know. Maybe he can tell that um, he's not as well financially and that he just kind of feels like he's doing a good charity.
1: But he Bartley is financial, though. Like, he's getting paid. And literally at the end, like, the lawyer gave him money.
0: Yeah, but I don't think, like, I don't think Bartley likes the money. And I think he likes the way he is. He likes to appear very... um, you know, sol- stolen, solely and taken back, you know. Uh, and I think the lawyer is just kind of picking up that he feels sorry for him and is trying to do a charitable good act or something like that. And I, I and mean, I don't, I'm not saying it's right. And I'm not saying he's right. I'm just saying that like, it's, it could be the reason he's doing it that way.
1: I feel like the lawyer is like, having, I don't, doing good deeds for the um to barbie was helping him and everything but i don't think that's like what's making the lawyer um sleep at night in peace because what's kind of confusing the lawyer is how the character changed throughout the story i can i feel like in the beginning barbie was someone who does his work and everything. And eventually it just changed. So the Lord is just asking like, what made Barley to change his character? Like he's curious. He's curious. I think that's yeah. what's keeping him like in this mind of confusion and- That like, keeps him going because yeah. he wants to know. I just don't think the good deed is what keeps him going. I think the confusion and wanting to know what's going on is what keeps him Yeah, yeah. I agree. Okay, now we are going to go to the very last page. Uh, we skipped a lot of pages, but this is by far, I think, the most important. Oh, yeah. Um, another question I had on the section we just read was, why do you think Bartleby keeps on saying that he would re- prefer not to? You guys. Well, see,
0: I brought this up in class, but, like, um, he might just not be able to read. Because there's a difference between being able to copy what you see onto a page and being able to understand and read what it says.
1: I know, but there's some multiple tasks that didn't involve him reading or anything like that. Like one of those tasks was to leave the building and he said, I prefer not to. He didn't want to accept the money. I prefer not to. So I don't think him learning anything with that kind of thing, I don't think. It could play a factor, but at the same time, it's not the full. And
0: and I wasn't saying it was the full reason, but like, that's mainly what he's saying. I prefer not to most of the time is that he just doesn't want to read. And maybe it's just because we don't actually know how old he is. He, well, actually we do. He's younger. So like, maybe, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he's just.
1: I feel like he's just mentally not stable. I think yeah. If we look at it, well, if, obviously
0: if, he's not mentally stable. He starved himself at the end.
1: I know, but we looked at it. Spoiler alert!
0: Oh, I'm sorry.
1: If if we looked throughout the whole story and everything, um, we have no like like I said like before, we have no like textual evidence to have a definite answer or anything. But you can tell that like people back can, then would, yeah would be like, okay, you got it like. They Would be so like strict, yeah, yeah. But I feel like it, it, that with using like our background knowledge, we can lean in more into to the fact that he's not mentally stable just because how his character of staying inside that building, not leaving that building, mm-hmm. the attachment to that building, the attachment yes. to nobody but that building because not even the lawyers but his he's attached. And to. since this was like so long ago, like they didn't know like what kind of like mental disabilities and like disease, you know what I mean? Like this was from so long ago that they wouldn't even you know,
0: and I feel like probably what, would
1: have said that. And I feel like the line, I prefer not to, did impact the readers, throughout, like, us readers throughout the whole story because that created, like, um just... Um, curiosity. That, not curiosity, but, like, us feeling impatient because if we were in his shoes, we would totally listen to our boss and everything. Mm-hmm. And so that impacted the reader to engage more in the reading and understanding why is he being the way he is. And it's frustrating because we never found out why he's being like I think it was very frustrating. Okay, now we're gonna read the last um page, which Gavin spoiled, but I will start. Um so basically I'll give you a summary from what we read. Uh Bartleby went to jail because he wouldn't leave the building. That's about it. Some few days <laughs> after this, I ganged I again obtained admission to the tombs. The tombs is um jail. And went through the corridors in quest of Bartleby, but without finding him. I saw him coming from his cell not long ago," said a turnkey. "May be he's gone. Oh my gosh! Why do they spell things like this? Maybe he's gone to loiter in the yards. So I went in the direction. Are you going? Are you looking for the silent man? And another turnkey. Passing me, wonder he lies sleeping in the yard there. Tis not twenty minutes since I saw him lie down. The yard was entirely quiet. It was not accessible to the common prisoners. The the surrounding walls of amazing thickness kept off all the sounds behind him. The Egyptian character of the masonry masonry weighed upon me with its gloom. But a soft, imprisoned turf grew underfoot. My heart of the eternal pyramids, it seemed wherein by some strange magic through the cliffs grass seed dropped by birds had sprung. Strangely huddled at the base of the wall, his knees draw up and laying on his side, his head touching the cold stones, I saw the wasted Bartleby, but nothing stirred. I paused, then went close up to him, stooped over and saw that his eyes, his dim eyes were open, otherwise he seemed profiled. Profoundly sleeping. Something prompted me to touch him. I felt his hand when a tingling shiver ran up my arm and down my spine to my feet. The round face of the grub man peered upon me. His dinner is ready. Won't he dine today either? Or does he live without dining? Lives with lives without dining, said I, and closed his eyes. Eh, he's sleeping, ain't he? With kings and counselors, murdered I. Murmured. Murmured I. Yep. That's it. Okay, so... What do you? Why do you think kings and counselors is so significant? Like, why do you think they made that the last line? Does it have some type of he's effect? Dead.
0: Or... Yeah, he's dead. That's all it means is kings and counselors. You know, they're kings. We don't really have any of those anymore, so they just kind of passed on. And counselors were people of the kings, and kings aren't there, so there's no really any counselors anymore. They're all dead. That's it's basically just saying that like, he's dead. He's moved on.
1: Do you think the lawyer had like some type of relief that he's dead or do you, cause I I personally don't feel any emotion in the last. Well,
0: paragraphs. but you also have to think that the lawyer felt a strong, like deep connection to him throughout the whole story. So like, I think he feels sad. I don't think he feels relieved. I just, cause he felt relieved when Bartleby was in prison because he didn't have to worry about him anymore. He was off his conscience. Like, I feel like he just feels sad now that Bartleby's gone because he wasted away and let himself just die.
1: Yeah, I agree with Gavin. I agree with Gavin. I just feel like I don't, no one, with the impatience that we had throughout the whole story, we can, we created this, like, we were not really sad for There was no, like, connection to get connected with the character itself. Yeah. I was annoyed, to line, be honest.
0: Because his lines literally consisted of, I would prefer not to, and nothing else. Like, he didn't say anything else. There's nothing to connect with. There's nothing to grab onto, no matter how hard you try.
1: Um. Um. I fit, and also one thing I wanted to say was just, like, the care, like, my thoughts about the whole thing like. If we like talk about the characters also involved in the story as the other two employees, um, the character of Varderly plays an important role of everybody's mood in the office. Um, like what Trinity said before, like the it created this passion, a strong passion the lawyer had towards Barterley I mean like, at first he was being all nice and everything. And then he started being angry towards Varderly. And um, when the lawyer asked um the employees what to do with Barley? one of them most of them like both of them said to remove him or anything like that it's just they they felt that anger towards barbie i feel like they saw him as a pest yeah they, it was just a like bar in the office like there was no reason why he should be in the first place yep. i
0: also feel like they were angry because he was making them do more work like they had to go and check his papers instead of like
1: but just then again words. when Bartleby wasn't even there. They were doing the same thing. So I feel like that's not why they were mad. I feel like they were mad because the lawyer wasn't doing anything about it. The lawyer was still paying him. Like the lawyer was letting him do whatever he wanted. Like, okay, you know like, what I mean?
0: Yeah. But like, still when it was just the two of them, they were doing less work. I just, And I, now when they have Bartleby, he's copying papers. Cause at the beginning he said he was copying giant, pe- giant things of paper great amounts of documents four pages long six times over like and now he won't even check them himself himself he has the lawyer has to get uh turkey and uh whatever nippers to look at it for him because he's just not wanting to
1: yep okay guys that's the end of our podcast thanks for listening Overall we read two stories. Preferably like which one would you guys want readers to learn from or like basically just recommend to them? I'd start with NY.
0: Goodman Brown just because Bartleby really ticked me off because it is so long and so detailed just to have a story about someone who just refuses to yeah, work.
1: Yeah, literally like, about nothing.
0: I it it just seems like a waste of time. Like it I mean, no, it was a good story, don't get me wrong. Like, it showed a lot of, like, perspectives and ideals, but, like, it just was very There was really,
1: like, no storyline, and it was just a pointless ending, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I would go with Goodman Brown because it seems more like a good story to learn from a good, like, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and there's an obvious meaning to it.
1: I like Young Goodman Brown, too, just because it showed, like, Like, it was more like a fairy tale, I feel like, because, like, going into the woods, like, seeing all this crazy stuff and, like, it changed him, obviously. Like, at the end, it drastically changed him because, like, all the people thought, like, oh, my gosh, like, he doesn't really believe in, like, faith anymore. Like, what happened while he was in the woods? Like, and nobody knows what happens because, like, he was only gone gone for that specific amount of time. So, I thought it was really interesting and, like, it taught me a lot about American literature. I personally like barley the story of barley just because it was more, yeah. If like if we if we talked about it, like in the beginning of the story, it get it really engaged us as readers to want to know what's going on and want to know more. Yeah, the the ending was very disappointing just because we didn't know what why he was the way he was. But I like Goodman Brown too. But I feel like I was more more engaged in barley just because I wanted to know find out answers or try to like. Use textual evidence or try to figure it out. Yeah, Yeah. that's what and what's that's why engaged me more than Young Goodman Brown because Young Goodman Brown was more you read it to understand it. Yeah, and then you can it's like something that you can like like uh, how do you say it? You can predict what's gonna happen. And probably we didn't really predict it like you couldn't because there was just because you think about something you're back into like Like, I I had some like theories of Young Goodman Brown like like throughout the story like when this stuff was happening i was like is he sleeping like what's going to happen next like that interested me a lot but like i get your point on bartleby because like we did try really hard to figure out like if it was going to tell us or like yeah it was suspenseful but not not my cup of tea
0: yeah all right guys uh thanks for watching uh not watching no listening to the get podcast stay tuned for our next episode Not quite sure when it's going to be out, but yay.